0: Welcome to God'splaining, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome back to God'splaining. My name is Father Patrick Mary Briscoe, and I'm joined today by Father Joseph Anthony Cress. Uh, now, you might think, if you're looking at us on YouTube, that you joined the wrong podcast because you we have decent setups uh but rest assured dear viewer if you're seeing this listeners you haven't noticed a difference but rest assured dear viewer you are in fact watching god's planning uh father joseph anthony how are you
0: um very very bearded right now uh, it's been a while since i've like trimmed up my beard but like yeah it's great um as i was kind of mentioning before we uh start recording, I got a little bit of a retreat hangover going on right now. Um, <laughs> most people would call these things like retreat highs. Uh, we just took mm. our students on our fall retreat. So we're recording this immediately after that. Uh, we just took our students on a fall retreat. It was amazing. Uh, we did a theology of the body retreat, kind of digging mm. into our humanity, understanding how we are, um, you know, creating the image of likeness of God incarnate and what all that stuff looks like. Amazing. When you go on a retreat, at the end, you get that retreat high. You're like, carry me into new lands, and it's beautiful. I think when you give a retreat or you lead a retreat, it's more like a retreat hangover. Like, you're just exhausted, and it, 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 you're gassed, to be honest. So that's where I am right now, but Jesus is doing big things uh, among our students, and it's beautiful, so I'm excited.
1: I think that's how moms and dads feel at the end of vacation, right? Like, they've just, g- they've just given everything, and now they need a vacation after the vacation. Mm. Uh, because they've tried to do so much Uh, have gone from place to place right but you know you the spiritual father on this retreat weekend uh you know just having having given it all no i love it um my uh yeah i have no reason to be tired (laughs) 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 i'm doing my job but uh but yeah there you go um (laughs) so i'm just gonna have to pass over that um i will uh, say this so as a lot as a lot of our listeners are friends of the podcast know, um I recently moved to Washington, D.C., um, taking another assignment from my provincial. I'm now the editor-in-chief of Alatea. Um, and along with that uh, particular deputation, with that particular ministry, um, I was reassigned to our House of Studies, to our seminary. Um, I, one thing that's just been incredible is the the chance to um, just really live the liturgy uh, in such a rich way. At the House of Studies, there are so many things that are just so beautiful about the way the brothers um chant the divine office here and I, I mean for me it's just been like drinking out of the uh drinking out of the fire hydrant right it's just it's just yeah. an incredible wellspring so i'm really grateful for that um and and it's been a a real a real joy in my life of late so that's awesome. kind of all the personal news i have
0: <laughs> it's super rich it's like the filet mignon of our province like it, it yeah that's that, right like, full flavor you know
1: it is a, wonderful amazing. Well, but let's jump into our topic today. Father Joseph Anthony, we wanted to talk a little bit about yeah. baptism. I mean, one of the things that, that I heard a lot as a parish priest mm-hmm. um, up in New England, uh, and I don't know if it's just a cultural phenomenon there in the Northeast in the United States, but I, I suspect not. I I suspect this is increasingly present throughout the United States, throughout Western Europe, um, is this argument that, that we shouldn't be baptizing our babies, right? Parents will say things like, well... You know, I want I want my child to be able to choose um, the, the practice of their religion. So this question of whether or not parents are going to baptize their children is is coming up more and more increasingly, um, increasingly more and more uh, with more and more intensity. So, you know, that that is kind of how I see uh, us kicking off this episode with with this with this um, desire to answer this question. Why should it why should a parent um, baptize their child?
0: I mean, that question, you're you're not wrong. I mean, we hear it all the time, I think, in any parish across the United States just because of it's probably a little more intense and frequent in New England, but it is super common elsewhere. To, people are like, mm. well, you know, I don't want to force anything on them. It's just kind of maybe there's sociological differences with parenting and uh, the family and all these things. But I think at the end of the day, it's this kind of push to. um emphasize uh choice and the only way to make a legitimate choice is if you have all the options in front of you now i have all my options i can make an informed decision and choice And, and that's a whole nother episode probably um not probably definitely but it's this approach to religion as um matter of taste, right? Do what feels good, like whatever works best for you. I mean, it's a phrase that I hear all the time in campus ministry and university culture is, oh, that's good for you. I'm happy for mm-hmm. that for you, right? And parents don't wanna, you know, because they themselves kind of uh, have that mentality and that approach to all of life, then why wouldn't they approach the faith in that way? I don't wanna impose. Impositions are a horrible thing for any, anybody's human freedom. So what I'm going to do is just i want to wait for them to decide what's good for them and then let that happen. Um, so there's a lot of culture influence. And in, I think the the devolution of our cultures with respect to religion and the spiritual life influences us a lot. But it is something that we're seeing on a, on a regular basis. Um, yeah. Any take on
1: that? Yeah, hearing you t- hearing you talk um uh, like this makes me think of the line in uh, Screwtape letters, right? C.S. <S. laughs> Lewis's famous book where the where the older more experienced demon is training up the younger demon right giving him advice on how to tempt the patient as they refer mm-hmm. to uh the human being that they're Intriguing trying to manipulate from God, mm-hmm. yeah. Um so the uh uh the the line that I'm thinking of is when um when the older demon is encouraging the younger one uh about about using only the historical method of examination. Right. So he says, well, you know, if you're looking at religion, I'm asking religious questions, they should, they should look on, they should consider only the historical information. They should consider details about authorship and dating and context. And the patient must at all costs be prevented from asking his or herself whether or not it is true. Whether or not their reading is true, and I think that's—I mean—that's a question that I that I want to raise first as we consider this question of baptism, particularly the baptism of children. Right? Why? Ba- why right. baptize my kids? Um, because so one one of the things that I that I think is a big problem that we're facing is parents who are not ready to say in their own hearts, "Yeah, I think it's true. I think Christianity is right. I think the Catholic Church is the fullness of truth and has something to say about about." um, the the destiny of human life and um, so i think people are being prevented from asking this question and whether or not it's true by by wanting you know uh, to inform themselves which is not a bad thing right be informed um study right. study other religions uh, all all those things are good things but but one must look at the question of catholicism and confront this question whether or not they think it's true and then act accordingly um but but i think the immediately the temptation You know, this doesn't really resolve anything, but it just goes back to what you're saying is that there's a kind of paralysis of analysis, the desire to continue to look and uh, and, you know, make sure oh that I've studied enough that I really understand what 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 is what is being asked of me or or do I really think that this is true? Do I really want my child to live this way that that you know what I'm bringing up here doesn't really solve um, what you're pointing out. But I think it's just one more symptom of of the disease we're facing or the challenge uh,
0: yeah, I mean, there, there's also that kind of like, because the parents themselves struggle with the faith, which is not a problem. Like I, I think far too many people think that they have to be perfect and buy in and just become these like automatrons and robots of like, yes, everything is good. Every, like Catholic faith are nothing. And it's like, well, it's true. I mean, it is the truth, but it's okay to struggle with the faith. And they're like, I can't give something to my child if I'm struggling with it myself, if I have doubts or right. I have questions, I can't give right. it. until I fix myself, I can't give it to this child. Like, cause he never asked for it. Why would I give him something that I'm not fully bought in with? And like, we have to kind of take away that element of, we can struggle with our faith. We can have questions, we can have doubts. Like how many times did uh, people in the gospels approach Jesus with doubts, with questions, but they approached him with deep faith right that's that's not a a barrier to faith having questions and doubts like especially for jesus who is the way the truth and the life and then we can imitate and we can hand that on to somebody even while still struggling ourselves i think there's these parents that like i have to fix myself i have to be convicted of myself before i can give it to this you know child who has no choice right and then that's once again that their dignity only doesn't is reliant upon their ability to choose. That's a whole nother issue,
1: but like, yeah, that's, great. I, I, think, I that's, think that's a, yeah, that's another huge part of this question. Yeah. You're, you're nailing it there. So, um,
0: yeah, I think that's the, the first thing. I mean, we, we can start again. The other thing that I wanted to mention quickly is I see a problem with understanding the human person, um, right. okay. the, the beauty of our humanity as body and soul that like we are not, separate. We're not this like soul that's entrapped within our body. We don't own our body. We are our body, right? Uh, But we're also completely uh, spiritual. Like this is the beauty of humanity, uh, body and soul made in the image and likeness of God. You see parents taking care of their children's physical needs. They'll feed their children. They will make sure that their appointments for their three-month checkup, their six-month checkup, all of these things that their doctors make sure their health is okay, they take all the necessary, um, you know, inoculations and all this stuff, like there's this huge emphasis to do these things for the physical well-being of their child that the child has no choice in, is not cognizant of, but others have said that it is important to feed them smashed up, ma- uh, you know, sweet potatoes because sweet potatoes are better than anything else, right? And yet they refuse to give their child the spiritual nourishment that they need and the spiritual medicine and salvation that they need, even if the child isn't cognizant of it. Like there's there's an an inability to prioritize the physical needs where the spiritual is just going to be left dormant to fend for itself. Like you wouldn't take an infant and drop them into like, I don't know the food court at the mall and say well there's nourishment all around he gets to choose like when he's able to choose and and figure it out then he's going to find you know the subway that is to eat fresh you don't do that stuff i mean those would be very negligent parents and they have the responsibility to care in in make the decisions that are the best, they research and they have their doctors, the pediatricians, the specialists and say, okay, this is what my child needs. Well, so too for the spiritual well-being, because that's, that's also the human, human person, body and soul. Um, it, it just blows my mind that it's like, well, we're just gonna wait off until it finds like, no, the grace and the nourishment, the faith beginning in that child from an early age is deeply important.
1: Yeah, I think the last thing I'll say, because, you know, we're sort of spending the first part of this episode uh, (laughs) just working out what what parents are thinking, the objections we've heard, right? You know, Father Mm -hmm. Joseph Anthony serving in Charlottesville at the University Parish of St. Thomas Aquinas from my time in St. Pius V. We've had all these conversations with people and, and, you know, we're just sort of working them out here. I I think the last thing that I'll say about this question um, is actually kind of a positive one. it's that i think the hesita- the hesitation on baptism um tells it it hints to us um you know in a positive way because it it could just be laziness right i could be wrong about this um but the 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 best way to look at this scenario i think is to is to see that people still understand that baptism does something that's irrevocable oh yeah um and so if parents are if parents are unwilling to baptize their children uh, you know, like, the what's the best spin I can put on this? It's that they understand that by baptizing their children, they are, in fact, undertaking the commitment to raise them in the church, um, to hand on to them Catholic life, um, to endow them with a vision of Christian living, to take them to Sunday Mass each week to teach them about the sacraments, to lead them out of prayer. Okay, so like in the best case scenario, the best interpretation, the most positive interpretation of this um, phenomenon we're facing, this question is that parents understand that there's something real here, that you can't be unbaptized, that to baptize a child is to do something permanent and to change uh, and in so doing to change the horizon of their lives. Um, That's maybe not a bad thing, but it is a complicated thing, right? (laughs) <laughs> because you say, like, yeah, well, baptism is permanent. You know, that's true. Yeah. So if we're looking at... it, it also at, makes a
0: demand, it, yeah, it makes a demand on the parents, too, because they're
1: like, oh, does that mean I have to adjust?
0: Do I have to start going to Mass now, too? Because I've, I've said it on this kid's behalf. Maybe I should do that. Too. So, like, you're, it's, it is multifaceted, and it is kind of a big thing. But you, there is, I, I think you're spot on. There's this kind of recognition that baptism is a big thing.
1: So I think there's, there's a lot to be said and maybe there are other things that Father Joseph Anthony and I are not seeing or things we haven't uh, heard from our priestly experience, but I think it's important to, to consider these and and many other questions as parents are asking, well, um, why, why baptize my, why baptize my child to understand, you know, especially if there's someone in your life that you're talking to about this Mm -hmm. question, to understand where they're coming from, to think critically about the situation um and and to and to take their concerns seriously i think that's so key you know so that's what we're trying to do here and then uh uh but we've done enough of that so we're going to take a short (laughs) break and when we come back we'll give you our reasons we'll talk about why we think you should baptize your kid um so give us just a moment and we'll be right back with you you
0: are listening to God's Planning. Visit us at godsplaining.org to listen to our episodes, shop our store, and donate to our podcast. All gifts go to improving the podcast and bringing the gospel to more listeners. Thanks for your support.
1: Well, friends, welcome back. You've been listening to God's Planning. In the first part of the episode, Father Joseph Anthony and I, of course, have kind of been working out this question of why parents hesitate uh, to baptize their children, where, where they're coming from, trying to see. Uh, the question that they're asking, the way that they're asking the question, the concerns that are behind this question. But Father Joseph Anthony, let's say someone comes to you and they ask very directly, why should I baptize my child? Um, wh- where do you start in your answer? What kinds of things do you offer to to flush out um, why the church baptizes infants?
0: Honestly, because you love your kid, right? Like, you you love this child. And... Mm there's something so beautiful and like there, there's something about the the innocence of a child that really melts your heart like you can take a, a newborn baby and like put him in the arms of like the you know harley davidson motorcycle guy big beard and that he just melts and there's something beautiful about that so like yeah you love your child and you're going to get one and give the best and do the best for them and so this is the beginning of that um and is introducing them into you know, the life of Jesus Christ, who is giving us the, the promise of eternal beatitude. And so that can begin early on. We look at a child and we know that we all carry the, in the, you could even say, I don't know, the hereditary share of Adam in our original sin. And so to give that child the opportunity to be forgiven of that original sin, at at earliest moments as possible and have them reborn, regenerated in Jesus Christ, um, to enter into his death and resurrection um, at an infant stage, an early stage, is you do that because you love your child, first off. Mm -hmm. And I I think that to see this act of allowing that child to be claimed by Christ, enveloped in the grace of an identity of Christ as the eternal son, and to remit and take away that uh, stain of original sin from the earliest moments. um, If the parent is able to do that, why wouldn't they do that? Because this is the mark of love to do such a thing. Um, So I think that's where I start off is actually admitting that baptizing your child is is a great act of love and a parental love for that child.
1: Yeah, that's right. This is the best gift you wanna give your child every good gift. Like think of all mm-hmm. the time you spend researching. What are those things called? The little kangaroos, you know, the roo oh, guys, those um, little baby machines that kind of rock them. Mamaroos. Yeah. You know, you're like yeah. everyone wants a mamaroo, Maybe not everyone wants a mama Like maybe they're the terrible. Little, like, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't take know. Stuff. The strollers but, that are like Swedish made.
0: Like yeah, that's I don't know right.
1: why Sweden has the best strollers, but they do. Peg Perigo, you know, the Italian version. Uh, so so like you, spe- you spend all this time as a young parent researching this stuff. I sort of hear about my sisters talking about it, you know, as, the, as they look into what what they want for their kids, for their families. But, but the desire is overwhelming, as Father Joseph Anthony is saying, that when you love your child, you want to give them the very best that you can give them. And in the spiritual life, the very best you could give them is baptism, to initiate them into the life of grace, to to begin uh, that saving work of God um and, and that's extraordinary so i think that um i think that uh, I, you know i would myself in my in these conversations i prefer to lean more heavily on the doctrine right to say like yes. like it or not your child who is very cute you know all babies are cute like it or not your child is a potato sack of original sin little flower bag you know i guess and not quite a potato sack that's too big little flower bag of original sin right uh, and those that's just the fact. That's the Christian claim of reality, is that as Father Joseph Anthony was saying, we have inherited a disease from Adam, and the disease is sin, and the disease will cause us to die without the cure. And that's just the straight facts. Uh, that's, a, that's a really important claim, I think, and I think it's important to, to say seriously, because this is the answer. This is the, this is the philosophical answer Christianity gives as to why the world is so messed up. Yeah, to say that there's sin and suffering because of this, because of this perennial brokenness, which dates all the way back to the turning of our first parents away from God, and that it's the turning away from God, the kind of sin that invades our lives. That's that's what that's what causes the brokenness we experience in reality. And the answer, therefore, is the life of grace. The answer is Christian living. The answer begins in the saving grace is imparted by holy baptism, um, and I think that. I think that that's a really key place to start because if a lot of Christians are asking, well, is it true? Do I believe this is true? It's important to raise that question to parents and say, well, do you think this is true? Like, what's your answer? My answer for why the world is broken is because of all of the brokenness that I see. And I think that God has responded to this brokenness and saved us and given us a remedy for it. And that you should give that to your child. okay okay so father joseph anthony yeah, if you had yeah. to give an answer you say like uh okay but we're gonna move on now and we're gonna yeah. say look this is it in the scriptures um oh what would you point to
0: i i mean the entirety of the life of jesus the entirety of the old testament i mean everything is pointing to this moment of hmm. redemption through the redemptive waters like you can look at You know all the prefigurings of baptism in the old testament the you know the parting of the sea and and i mean the striking of the water from the rock and then crossing the jordan again with parts and that's a whole other issue but um it's everything is pointing towards baptism as being the fulfillment of the old covenant Mm -hmm. and how how was right this is so important how were individuals initiated into the old covenant through circumcision. And that was always done as as an infant. And so, even the Lord Himself, right? I always look to seeing the Lord's life and say, okay, we're called to imitate His life and what does His life look like in so many ways? Well, even as a child, right? As an infant, He was presented in the temple to fulfill the demands of the Old Covenant. Um, And so that He could fulfill and then redeem and renew them in, in unique ways. Um, And so this whole idea of um, infants being drawn into the work of God, the redemption of the people of God uh, as an infant is deeply known uh, throughout the ancients in the Old Testament and even into the life of Jesus himself. He's not uh, exempt from any of this either, uh, which shows his unity with that because actually out of anybody, he is exempt from it because he doesn't have sin. Um, but he enters into that process to show us the way that we are to imitate. So this kind of redeeming of the infant uh, has deep, deep roots in Scripture. It would be—I would be hard-pressed, right? There's a real wonderful point out there, but there, there, I'd be hard-pressed to see how, if the old covenant that is happening throughout the people of Israel of circumcision entering into the old covenant included children and infants why would the new covenant that fulfills that not include that either like it would seem like that would be a lesser covenant then when we know that's not the case like the new covenant is the all-encompassing covenant now that brings it to its completion and fulfills it and takes it into deeper reality so it would it would just seem weird for me that our entrance into the new covenant would um, you know, exclude infants. Then,
1: yeah, that's right. Um, and I, I think that's really powerful. To that, I could only add that Jesus um, gives a direct witness to this in his life in the New Testament, in his preaching. Right? I can think of two yeah. instances that I would that I would add, and um, because everything that you're saying is is dead on. And this is the, the and is, in my view, the the key theological principle. So I can only add like because Jesus said, so <laughs> just Anthony's given giving you Jesus, uh, giving you a very sophisticated theological vision of the covenant. And I can just say like, look, the Lord says, do it right. Yeah. Um, so we can look at the, we can look at the situation where the children are trying to get to Jesus and mm-hmm. Peter and the apostles are like, no, Jesus is too busy to talk to kids. And Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Right. Um, instead of pushing them away, the Lord invites them to himself. And I think that's important that's that that moment is significant. And a principle is imparted to us there. I, I think also we, we should look at um, Jesus vision of the kingdom, where he tells us over and over that that the kingdom belongs to such as these to the children, like that's that same instance where the children come unto him, or when Jesus uh, warns us, unless you have the heart of a child, you cannot enter the kingdom. So there's something about being childlike, and being dependent on the Father and adopting the posture of a child that, that is at the heart of Christianity. So that so if, so if we say that this is true, that there, that there's a kind of uh, child-centric view of the kingdom that's being imparted by Jesus, you know, I'm looking for the right words to express that, then, okay. then we have to say, well, why wouldn't the Lord bring children to himself? You know, if, if the view of the kingdom is exalted, why wait to be an adult? Um, you know, if the, if, the, if the view of the kingdom means that you have to become like a child, why wait to be an adult to, to begin to partake in that?
0: And I, I want to add in this way, like this past Sunday, you know, if we're looking at the it, 25th Sunday of Ordinary Time, Year B, if you want to just roll back to that Gospel of Mark, the Lord, in the midst of his apostles, takes a child and puts them into this presence. It's like, anybody who receives this child receives me. Anybody who receives me receives the one who sent me. So we see this love of the father coming down, but into the, the and Mark has this beautiful line. He says, Christ takes the child, puts it in the midst of the apostles, and then embraces the child, wraps his arms around. Mm-hmm. Like, is not just using this as an image for teaching pedagogical purposes. The Lord embraces the children. And, and, and so, so, like, and I think that other aspect that you were talking about is, like, why would we wait for this maturity? Like, if the image an entrance into the kingdom of God is to be childlike, it's, it's beautiful because, like, our spiritual maturity is actually goes in the opposite direction of our physical maturity. Physical maturity, as we get older, we want to become more independent. We want to do our own thing. But spiritual maturity actually looks like a greater dependency. A greater trust, mm. a greater innocence, and so like you have the child who is at this peak of kind of physical immaturity, but in a beautiful way is at the peak of spiritual maturity, and to, is more actually more has a greater disposition in um, you know reception to the spiritual gifts at that early stage um, that then will can grow uh, throughout the rest of his his or her life.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, And uh, to that, I can only add, uh, that's what St. Peter's getting at, you know, in the book of Acts, um, where he's preaching very early on in the book of Acts, in the second chapter, he's preaching, right, encouraging his hearers to be baptized, to receive all the gifts that Father Joseph Anthony's talking about, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, receive all the spiritual graces of baptism, the the many wonderful things that happen when divine. Love continues, uh, begins rather in those first moments to make its dwelling place in the soul. I mean, just incredible. Um there, Saint Peter says this promise is to you and your children. Mm. Um, and that, that that there's a fulfillment of promise here that that is expansive, that it, that it belongs to you, it belongs to your children, it belongs to your children's children. Um, and that they're they're being incorporated in this uh, immediately, that all of these gifts are theirs um uh, as soon as soon as they're born. I don't know. You have any closing thoughts? I think we sort of flushed yeah, it all out.
0: Yeah, I think we I think we covered at least at least what we wanted to say this time. I mean there's always more and in, in other ways, other avenues we can go, but I think this is uh you know, an important reflection and you know I personally I hope it reflects hope it forces us individually but also our listeners to reflect on our own baptism. Like that mm-hmm. that's the whole purpose of this, is to reflect on the great gift that our parents gave us. Um, if we were baptized as infants, um, and to, to thank them for that, and to also thank the Lord for um, for those of us who have been baptized as infants, I myself included, I throw myself out there, as baptized as a little, little uh, child, me high to a grasshopper, but to, to thank the Lord for that gift um, at and, and such, such an early stage.
1: Breach. Well, um, to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Um, If you're watching on YouTube and seeing the the glories of our new (laughs) video presentation, uh, congratulations. Um, (laughs) If you like what you're hearing, please share the podcast. We really appreciate that. You recommending the episodes is the fastest way that we grow. Please share them on social media. Text an episode to a friend. Um, Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, I don't know. What else? yeah. We don't Amen. have stuff coming up. No, I just paused, like, waiting for Jacob Bertrand, Father Jacob Bertrand, you know, to tell know. me about the announcements. Uh, to, <laughs> <laughs> to tell me, why didn't you write these down?
0: You know, yeah, somewhere um, check- in the universe, he's twitching. He's like, ah, there's announcements to say. I don't know why.
1: <laughs> That's right. Visit our website, check out all of our projects there. Um, consider becoming one of our many great benefactors that support our project on Patreon. Um, we thank those of you who already do, who give to us um, to continue to improve the quality of our program. Uh, please know that we're praying for you and we ask your prayers for us. God bless.
0: Thanks for listening to God's planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org.